What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst on the Hoop Heads Network, giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hoop Heads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Knock If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Cavalier Central, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. That was a pretty fun game. Um, it's always fun to be able to watch a really, well, I'm not going to say a good game, but an entertaining game, a close game um, that goes into overtime. Um, and then one that eventually the Wizards pull out. Um, it's always a fun thing. Um, so the Wizards just beat the New Orleans Pelicans um, 117 to 115 in overtime. Um, that pushes the Wizards record up to 22 and 33. Um, and it pushes the Pelicans record down to 25 and 31. Um, coming in this game, um, the Pelicans um, had a point differential of minus 0.9, which is good for 18th in the league. Um, their offensive rating was 115.5, which was 8th in the league. Um, and their defensive rating was 27th in the league um, at 116.4. Um, just looking at the overview and four-factor stuff for this game, um, the Wizards' offensive rating was 101.7, which is in the 18th percentile. And the Pelicans was even worse at 99.1, which is in the 14th percentile. Um, effective field percentage for the Wizards was 49 to the Pelicans 44.8. Um, turnover rate for the Wizards was 11.3 to the Pelicans 13.9. Um, Offensive rebound rate for the Wizards was 13.5 to the Pelicans 24.1, um, which actually really isn't that high considering some of their personnel. Um, you know, so that's kind of positive. Um, and then the free throw rate for both teams is pretty high. Um, so just to quickly go over some of the box score stuff, um, general, you know, game lines. Um, actually, first of all, I want to talk about the win probability. Um, it was pretty back and forth um, the whole entire game. Um, it was like pretty much very tie in favor of the Pelicans, like with two minutes left. Um, with two minutes and four seconds left, the Pelicans were by four points and they had the ball. Um, and their win probability was at 84.1%. Um, and they ended up losing. Um, so that's never a good thing. Um, but yeah, like I, like I was saying, um, going over some of the um, top line box numbers, 
I'll start with the Wizards. Um, Russell Westbrook had a pretty big night. Um, He had 36 points, was plus six in his 44 minutes tonight, um, which is a really, really big minute load um, for Russell Westbrook. Um, So those 36 points coming on 13 to 24 from the field, 7-11 from the free throw line. Um, Unsustainable 3-6 from three, like one of them banked in, but, you know, it happens sometimes. Um, So those 24 points coming on 20, or 36 points coming on 29 and a half shooting possessions. Um, Pretty efficient night for him. Um, B was minus 13 on the night in 42 minutes. Um, 30 points, 10 to 29 from the field, um, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. And he, so those 30 points coming on a really inefficient 34 and a half shooting possessions. Um, just looking at the rest of the guys, Daniel Gafford, um, brought a lot of energy off the bench. Um, his minute limit was supposed to be, I believe 20 minutes. Um, and he played 26. Um, well, I think he, so he was at 21 coming into overtime, um, which would have been only one minute over the limit, but like you had to play him, um, in the overtime period. Um, he was plus 16 on that, had 18.7 rebounds, um, four blocks, um, all four of them, I think, on Zion. Um, I might be mistaken um, there, but something like that on Zion. Um, they get five fouls, but that's kind of what's going to happen if you are pretty block hungry. Um, yeah, going over here, like, <laughs> I will say this again for, like, it feels like the third or fourth game in a row. Um, so the Wizards starters, um, in terms of plus minus, Rue was minus one, Avdi was plus two. Alex Len was minus five, um, and then I went over Beal and Westbrook already. Um, for the guys off the bench, um, Lopez was minus nine, and Garrison Matthews minus five. Um, besides that, you had Gafford at plus 16, Ishmith at plus six, um, Howell Neto at plus 10, and Isak Bonga at plus 13. Um, and that's because you look at the <laughs> New Orleans Pelicans bench, um, and it's not great. Um, they have Kira Lewis played 19 minutes, was minus 13 on the night. Um, Jackson Hayes played nine minutes and was a disaster. He was minus 11. Um, Willie Hernan Gomez actually plus 11. Um, that's pretty weird. Um, Najee Marshall was plus 15. Um, I'll talk about him. Um, and then James Johnson was minus 12. Um, and Lonzo Ball was minus 17, but he started. Um, so other starters, um, for the Pelicans, um, Zion Williamson, he kind of struggled tonight. He had 21 points, was minus six, 21 points coming on 21 shooting possessions. Um, not his usual, like crazy efficiency night. Um, Brandon Ingram, like some of his shot making tonight was insane. Um, but he ended up with 34 points on 30 shooting possessions. I'm not super efficient. Um, and coming off the bench, Najee Marshall, um, 16 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. Um, Probably the best game of his life in the NBA. Um, but yeah, I'll talk about him. Um, yeah, so um, I guess the first thing I want to talk about is the Wizards zone defense. Um, I really like, so I guess I can't remember the first team to really, really start um, who played like zone against the Pelicans the whole game, but it happened earlier in the year. Um, and teams of a lot of teams have been following um, that strategy um, because it's smart because um, you go up and down the Pelicans roster. Like who do they have that's really, really going to punish you from three, especially now um, that they don't have JJ Redick. Um and also, like, one of the best ways to beat a zone, um, you need to have guys that can, you know, get into the teeth of the zone and then kick out, um, you know, kind of like Russell Westbrook type guys um, or, like, big, like, you know, LeBron James type wings, um, guys like that. And then, like, good finishers, good shooters, um, good ball movers. Um, and, you know, that's how you beat a zone. Um, like, I don't know, like, I can imagine, like, the Jazz, like a team like that just being, like, perfect to beat a zone. Um but the Pelicans don't have those guys. Um, they don't necessarily have incredible ball movers, and they don't necessarily have guys who can really, really get into the teeth of defense and make plays. Um, and they don't have shooters. Um, just go up and down the starting lineup. Um, or actually, I want to pull up um, where it teams. No, I have I have them up. Okay, so on cleaning the glass, um, the players for the Pelicans that are shooting um, above their 50th percentile in terms of shooting accuracy from three. 
um, pulling up super quick. So they have two shooting above 50%. Um, and that's Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Um, Lonzo Ball didn't shoot the ball well tonight. Um, he was 0 for 7 from 3. Um, so they only have two guys shooting above 50%, and one of them went 0 for 7, or 50th percentile. Um, one of them went 0 for 7. Um, Brandon Ingram on the year is 39%, which is actually pretty ridiculous considering the shots he's taking. Um, it's been crazy to watch Brandon Ingram improve as a player. Um, yeah, I don't know if I want to get too much into it. Okay, so J.J. Redick was at 37%. Najee Marshall's in the 48th percentile at his position, um, but only on 19 attempts on the season. Um, so kind of throw that out the window. Um, Eric Bledsoe is in the 45th percentile, um, you know, for his position. Actually at 35%, which is a pretty good number for him on how many attempts he's taken. Zion Williamson is at 33% on only 27 attempts all season. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker didn't play. Kira Lewis, um, 68 attempts on the season. He's in the 32nd percentile at his position. James Johnson has only taken 30 attempts all season. Um, Josh Hart didn't play in this game. And then Nicola Melli uh, isn't on the team anymore. I'm going to keep going down. Like, Willie Hernan Gomez has only shot six on the season. Um, and obviously... Um, Steven Adams has shot zero on the season. Um, so they don't have shooters on this roster. Um, and then, like, you kind of look at the guys who are really going to give, like, threaten you to get inside the teeth of defense. That's, like, probably Lonzo's biggest flaw, <laughs> quite frankly, is his ability to, you know, really affect the game in the half court. So, you know, throw him out of that mix. Eric Bledsoe, he's not really a threat to shoot. Um, not a great offensive player. Kind of throw him out of that. Um, Brandon Ingram, as good as he is, he's not, like, he needs to get, still needs to continue to get stronger. He's gotten way, way, way stronger since he was, like, a rookie in second year in Los Angeles. Um, but he still needs to work on that. He still needs to build up core strength to be able to take bumps and get all the way to the rim, which, I mean, like, he's gotten better at, but he, you know, needs to continue that, especially when he's being guarded by bigger wing players. Um, but then you have Zion Williamson, um, who is a scary guy. Um, but they used him more um, like inside, like 15 feet against the zone, um, instead of using him out on the perimeter to drive in. Um, and I probably I think that was a mistake. Or I would have used a little more variability in how I used him against the zone, um, especially if you've been seeing it all year long. And then the other two guys that um, did a good job actually attacking the zone were um, James Johnson and Najee Marshall. Um, this is where I think Najee Marshall was absolutely incredible tonight to me. Um, I've seen him play a couple times. Like I've tweeted about him. I'm just saying like Najee Marshall's awesome. <laughs> um, I, I look back at my draft board from last year. I had him 54th, um, which I'm pretty sure like that's I'll, that's like about five to 10 spots higher than most people had him, um, but that's way too low. Um, Najee Marshall really, really played pretty well defensively and he was one of the better offensive players on the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. Um, he made two threes. Um, his shot's a little slow, like his elbow's a little out. Um, I don't really trust his shot. Um, he was two for five, but... Um, just his ability to get inside of the defense and also like driving kick. Um, he ran a couple of pick and rolls pretty well. Um, that was really, really impressive. Like that's not something that was supposed to be part of his game coming into the NBA. Um, his game is more supposed to be like, you know, at first be a defense specialist to get on the floor and then see where he kind of progresses as a player. Um, so for him, he played 33 minutes. He played absolutely incredible tonight. Um, you know, again, one of their best options um, against his own and he closed the game. Um which is pretty incredible. Um, and then James Johnson, they use James Johnson a lot at the high post. I didn't understand that at all um, because like James Johnson can make plays, but I think he's probably a better playmaker, like on the move, like attacking a closeout rather than just giving the ball at the, you know, elbow or um, the high post and just like, you know, have him turn and face and like make a decision. Um, that's not really his game. Um, so I didn't really get that decision. Um, but yeah, so when the Wizards go zone, as they've been doing all season long, which um, the commentators seem to not, pick up until way later in the game is that they have like they apply three-quarter court pressure with the two guards in the zone um 
you know, kind of like make the first of all, like make the offense, you know, take a second or two off the clock, um, make them think a little bit like I really like how they do that. I've talked about that like months and months and months, like the first month of the season, they started doing that. Um, so, yeah, like that, that's kind of like their tell as to when they're in the zone. Um, but like the zone played well tonight, like the Wizards went away from it a lot. Um, throughout the third and fourth quarters. I didn't understand that at all because of how well the zone played. Um, there's one thing I will say, the zone worked a lot better when Zion wasn't in the game. Um, it's just Zion's gravity um, towards the middle of the lane. Um, it's like, it's big. Uh, it's a lot. Like if Zion, um, it's hard to prevent Zion because he's a really good cutter. He's really good without the basketball. Um, you know, just finding areas and crevices where he can catch the ball and turn and then, you know, go to that um, spin over the right shoulder. Um, if you let him catch the ball too deep against your zone, then it's going to be tough. Um, so I kind of get like kind of going away from the zone when Zion's in the game. Um, but when he's out of the game, I think that they should have gone to it every single time. Um, but the zone played well. Like I really like that adjustment. Um, I'd like to see the Wizards go to it more. Um, and then at one point, I will also say that one time Bongo was at the top of the zone. I think it was just because they're kind of like cross-matching and transition. I'm going to try to get back into the zone. Um, but I loved having Bongo at the top of the zone, just his length. Like that's kind of where like I think in 20 years, like wings are just going to be at the top of zone defenses and guards are going to be on the sides. Like that's how... Um, the Jazz, uh, I think the Heat were the first team to do it. Um, you know, that's how the Raptors play now. I think the Jazz do that sometimes. Um, well, they did that times last season. Like, that's the future of zone defense in the NBA. That's what it's going to look like. Um, and then, you know, it's going to trickle down to the lower levels. Um, you know, that's just the future of zone defense. It makes sense because you want your bigger, longer wings at the top of the zone causing tons of problems at the point of attack. And then you kind of, like, hide your, um, you know, smaller guards, you know, on in the corners. Um, that's exactly what you want. So, you know, logically, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I wish, like... Like Bonga and like Abdi or Bonga, Bonga and Garrison Matthews at the top of the zone, that would be that would be insane. Um, the Garrison Matthews only played seven minutes in this game. Like I will continue not understand that. The Wizards shot four twenty-seven from three in this game, um, and Garrison Matthews only played seven minutes. Um, and he's like the only guy who's an above-average shooter besides like him and Beal were the only above-average average shooters who played in this game for the Wizards tonight. Um, and you know that kind of leads to like poor spacing. That leads to shooting four of twenty-seven from three. Um, I mean, Beal shot 0 for 9. That's just like, that's just ridiculous. That's not going to happen every night. Um, Rui shot 0 for 5. That's also not going to happen every night. That's not what you'd expect um, from him. Um, and then like you have like Bonga shot 0 for 3, you know, and that's, eh, you know, a little bit, you know, you can see that. Um, like, I guess you'd expect him to make 1 of 3, um, but 0 of 3 is not that far off from that. Um, so yeah, the shooting is still a problem for the Wizards, especially when Bertans is out. Um, Bertans is just so, so massive to the spacing for the Washington Wizards. Um, I've talked about that before, um, but whenever he's out, he's out for personal reasons tonight. I don't want to speculate on any of that. Um, so it's tough. It's tough for the Wizards when, um, when Bertans isn't playing. It reflected in, it reflected in their offense. Their offense was not good tonight. Um, one thing I will say is that whenever Willie Hernan Gomez was in the game, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, Beal, it was just absolutely cooking i want to see um hold up i want to pull up um the pelicans lineup um some of their filter lineups on court willie hernan gomez where is willie hernan gomez um filter lineups um so <laughs> so the defensive rating for the pelicans when willie hernan gomez is on the floor is 120.3 that is good for the fifth percentile um i want to look at shooting frequency so the shooting frequency when Willie Hernan Gomez um, is, oh, okay, that's offense. I'm confused. I want to look at defense. So <laughs> opponents are getting through him 34.7% of the time when Willie Hernan Gomez is on the floor, which is good for the 35th percentile. Um, that's terrible. Um, I don't know, like, the three-point shooting stuff. Um, 
the frequency. I don't know how much that's his fault. Uh, so when you play, I'll talk about um, I'll talk about ball screen defense um, for right now. Um, <laughs> so against Bradley Beal, the Pelicans tried to come to the level of the screen. Um, that's great and all, but your bigs are first of all Stephen Adams, and then off the bench you have Jackson Hayes and Willie Hernan Gomez. Um, Stephen Adams is fine, like you know whatever. Um, <laughs> Beal was just not hitting shots. Like Stephen Adams, a lot of times he'd like come up to the level, but not come up high enough to the level of the screen um and Beal would you know shoot it as he 100% should um especially if, like so they're like they weren't necessarily blitzing but they're kind of containing um and then like the guards you know were coming back um and the guards that are actually guarding Bradley Beal was not Eric Bledsoe it was Lonzo Ball and then like whoever's coming off the bench um Najee Marshall um most of the game um which is interesting um I probably would have had Bledsoe um with the coverage that they were playing just to kind of um thwart the Wizards ball screen offense um with Bradley Beal um but they didn't do that. Like, Lonzo is not just... He's just not quite as good at getting around... Like, Eric Bledsoe is one of the best in the league at getting around screens. Um, I would have rather had Eric Bledsoe on and then, like, had Alonzo Barr and Najee Marshall on Russell Westbrook and had them kind of drop off a little bit, force him to take the three, um, and, you know, try to cut him off as he drives, have a little more length um, than Eric Bledsoe. Um, but, you know, um, that's not what the Pelicans went to. Um, so back to the big coming up to level screening containing. Um, Steven Adams... Um, he should have got cooked more than he did, um, but they were helping so far. Like, so a lot of times Westbrook is one pass away. Like, you're not really going to hide Westbrook in the corner normally. Um, you know, that makes sense. Um, but if Westbrook's one pass away and you set a high ball screen going towards the middle of the floor, um, every single time the Pelicans, and it was um, Eric Bledsoe, who's an incredible, like, help defender. Um well, incredible. Like, he's a very, very good help defender um, at the nail. Um, he would literally just sit at the nail and wait for Bradley Beal to come to him. So Bradley Beal didn't necessarily have a driving lane, even if he was able to turn the corner or split um, the contain against Steven Adams because Eric Bledsoe was standing at the nail waiting for him. And the read, obviously, is to kick to Russell Westbrook because he's standing there wide open. But Westbrook's not going to shoot the three. Like, he's a reluctant shooter, as he should be, because he's not a good shooter. Um so, you know, Beal's options are either just to keep plowing through or to kick out to Russell Westbrook and then, like, kind of have the possession die out. Um, and that was most of the most of the possessions, just to kick out to Westbrook. It kind of dies out. Um, that was a really good job of ball screen defense from the Pelicans. The one thing I will say is that when the bench units came out, um, and then it was, like, instead of, you know, Westbrook one pass away, it was more like a Garrison Matthews type guy. Um, or even, like, Howell Neto, um, who's at least kind of a threat to shoot. Or, like, basically anyone besides Ish Smith or Russell Westbrook. Um, the Pelicans were not really able to implement that kind of help so far at the nail against Bradley Beal high ball screens towards the middle of the floor. Um, so I looked a lot better. <laughs> also, especially looked a lot better when you have someone like Jackson Hayes, um, who has just absolutely no clue how to defend in the pick and roll yet. He's in the second year. Like, if I'm a Pelicans fan, I'd have major, major, major concerns about drafting Jackson Hayes with the eighth pick in the draft like he's been all he's he's not good at all first of all he's the center that can't shoot why would you pick a center that can't shoot to play next to zion um the pelicans just have a far different idea of how to construct a roster around zion than i do like i would have never ever 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 traded anything for stephen adams by the pelicans i would have had to take on multiple first round picks to take on stephen adams terrible contract and then they didn't just they didn't so they gave up George Hill, who was a perfect fit on this team. Um, and then instead, they kept Eric Bledsoe, who was not a good fit on this team. They traded away an asset along with George Hill to get Steven Adams, who's on a very, very negative value contract. And to make it even worse, they traded and extended him, which almost never happens in the NBA. Teams don't trade and extend. Like, that's just not something that normally happens. And they did that with Steven Adams. And it made no sense. They're giving him, like, what, three more years, like 20 million a year? That's a disaster. That's a disaster. That's so stupid. Okay, anyways, that's my Pelicans roster building rant. Um, 
I don't even remember what I was talking about. Right, I was talking about Willie Hernan Gomez. He's so bad at ball screen defense. Oh my God. He was trying to come up to the level of the screen. Um, every single time, Beal would just go right by him. And wasn't even like turning the corner against him, going towards the you know um, weak side of the or strong side of the floor. Um, it was just like um, crossing over and just getting right into the middle of the paint. <laughs> like it was so easy for him. Um, and then like at that point, um, the Pelicans help defenders suck um like their point of attack defense is actually pretty good with Lonzo Ball Eric Bledsoe and Najee Marshall like that's an awesome like group of guards um and they didn't I will say okay so I will say super quick they did not have Josh Hart in this game I think that Najee Marshall played a really really good game so I don't think it affected them as much as it normally would in a normal night uh, when Najee Marshall's not literally having the best game of his NBA career um but Josh Hart is really, really, really important to what they do. Um, he can play the three. He can play the two. Um, he's really, really, really good in help. Um, so, <laughs> you know, um, not having him um, definitely did hurt them to not as big of an extent as usual, but um, it hurt them. Um, and then also not having to kill Alexander Walker as kind of a bench creator. Like their second units um, offensively just kind of stalled out. Um, they're like relying on Najee Marshall as much as I love him, as much as I think he played awesome. Relying on him to create at times without Zion Williamson when he was in foul trouble. Um not great. <laughs> Not ideal. Um, anyways, Willie Heron Gomez got absolutely cooked, cooked. And then whenever that happened, so a lot of the times, like, so your wings, are, you're generally going to be guarding, or the wings slash forwards are generally going to be guarding the guys in the weak side corner. So they're going to be the guys helping. Normally for a normal team, that's what you want because your wings are a little bit bigger. Um, like for the Wizards, that'd be like Rui Hachimura. Like that's what you want um, all, at the end of the day, like out of all the guys helping. Um, if it can't be a center, it's going to be Rui, right? Or it's going to be Denny Avdia. Um, but for a team like the Pelicans, you have Brendan Ingram and Zion Williamson, um, who are absolutely atrocious help defenders um they're just like asleep <laughs> they're always one to two steps late every single time um which led to ultimately zion getting six fouls and Brandon Ingram ultimately just not being a presence um at the rim in terms of help um these guys are big enough to do it if they really really like were smart enough slash good enough slash in shape enough slash wanted to enough i don't really know the answer to like what the answer is to that but like all i know is that they they're not good um on that weak side um and the wizard tactic like give i'll give scott brooks a ton of credit for kind of um you know keep going keep going to that um especially like also with russell westbrook um him just attacking downhill and just making tons of kickout passes like he's gotten so so good at that um and like i will say again russell westbrook's best skill by far is his playmaking he is not that good of a score he's so inefficient as a score overall um like you know like how much is he really helping with scoring where he really really like he's also terrible defensively where he really really helps so much is with his playmaking he is such a good playmaker i will i will die on the hill of russell westbrook being an unbelievable playmaker and that being by far his best skill and arguably the only skill that he's really 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 like excels at um i should probably not even arguably um i just think that that's that's the skill that he excels. That's the only skill these guys excels at. But he's so good at it, um, you know that I think that makes him a pretty good regular season player. Um, and I'm not high on Westbrook at all. Like I guess if you've been listening to this, but um, that's what I will say about him. Um, so he had a good game. I'll, I will talk about down the stretch. Um, Westbrook made a couple threes in overtime, um, and then he like got fouled on that. Actually, I didn't even go over the last minute of the game. I usually do that for closer games. Um, so I guess I'll do that, um, and then. We're already 21 minutes in. Ah, okay, so I'll do that, and then that'll be that. Um, so I do want to start with, like, so there's, like, 40 seconds left in the game. Um, no, I'll start. So less than a minute left in the game. Um, there's a side ball screen for Westbrook, um, and it was set by um, Daniel Gafford. Um, and he pulled up um, for a mid-range jump shot. Like, what? 
that was terrible. That was a terrible decision. Barely grazed the rim, um, you know, as you would guess. Um, so then the Pelicans leak out because it's essentially an air ball. They essentially just, you know, so Zion is coming down. And you're like, oh, man, that's going to be a layup. Gafford makes an unbelievable play to hustle back and get a block on that. Um, and then, you know, like the rest thought it went out of bounds. They reviewed it. didn't go out of bounds. They called an intervention whistle, whatever. They got the ball back. Um, so on that next inbound play, um, Brandon Ingram drove in. He kicked out. Um, he kicked out to Lonzo Ball. Um, no, he kicked out to Eric Bledsoe. Um, Eric Bledsoe didn't want to shoot. Um, so he drove in, he kicked out to Lonzo Ball, who got a pretty decent look at it. Um, but he missed. Um, Steven Adams tried to tip the ball out um to a teammate, but he tipped it to Russell Westbrook, who fell on the floor and was sitting on his butt. Um, and he caught the ball. It's a smart play for him to call a timeout, but that I thought was hilarious um that, that happened. Um, and then the last play of the game, um, i I saw people criticizing the Wizards' decision to set a screen. I actually liked it if they set um, a ball screen so Beal could come to the right side of the floor um, just pretty much just matched up on Steven Adams but Gafford didn't set the screen it was essentially a ghost screen which is what the Wizards would run with like Davis Rutans like a sh- threat to shoot the ball to kind of mess up the defense like and especially if they're switching with the, which the Pelicans like really hadn't done all game um, so that was a ridiculous play call like it was a ghost screen like I don't I don't know if the play call is actually like an actual screen um, but even if it was it would have been a screen going towards the middle of the floor where Eric Bledsoe was standing the whole entire game at the nail so you're running Westbrook at Bledsoe and then like your next read is to kick out to Westbrook um, so you want Westbrook shooting a three-pointer in a tie game down the stretch to win the game um, so overall, I don't think that last little sequence made sense um, and then I will talk about that at that very end um, of overtime, the last play, um, Russell Westbrook got fouled on a mid-range pull. Oh my God. So Russell Westbrook was matched up. He had like 10, 11 seconds to work against Zion Williamson. Um, it was a tie game. Um, so you don't need a three or anything. Um, so he has, he has that much time to work. Um, so Zion Williamson's lateral quickness on the perimeter is suspect. Like it's very, very questionable. He cannot guard guards at all. Like he is a straight up bad defender in terms of switching. Um, that's like that's part of the reason why he just straight up cannot play small ball five. Even though he's a really good rebounder, um, you know he just he has no chance of guarding guards um, in a switch. Um, so Westbrook, obviously, of course, he doesn't use his speed and athleticism um, to blow by him. He just sits around. He does a couple of hang dribbles and he shoots a pull up mid range jumper, um, and he gets fouled on it by Zion. That's such an unbelievably bad foul. I, I think it was a pretty weak foul, honestly. Like I, if I'm a ref, I'm not calling that at the end of the game. Um, just like a little touch foul um but they reviewed it um but they reviewed it okay i'll talk about this so um van gundy challenges this um they have one timeout so if you lose the challenge you lose your last timeout um and then there's 1.9 seconds left if you don't have a timeout then all of a sudden you have to go the full length of the floor if you do have a timeout you can grab the rebound or you can have it like if russell westbrook makes the last one then you can advance the ball um so then you have to do a really really big value proposition where is it worth challenging it um to potentially get a jump ball, um, which would basically send it to a second overtime, give you a 50% chance of winning, or are you willing to just have Russell Westbrook go to the line and then come back on the other side and trust a play, um, you know, to win the game? Um, so, you know, challenging it, if it's successful, it you gives yourself a 50% chance of winning. So then you have to throw in the value proposition or how, the odds that you think if um, of a successful challenge. So if you thought that the odds of you having a successful challenge, like 75%, um, then that changes your odds to winning of 75% of 50%. So what is that? 35.7%? No, 37.5%-ish, um, right? So that those, what the odds of winning is what they're, I assume something like that we're going with. Um, so, But then if you have Westbrook um, go to the line, 
Westbrook's like what? Let's say he's a 67% free throw shooter to make the math easier. Um, so then the odds of him missing both are, um, you know, 33% of 33, so 11%. So there's an 89% chance that he makes one of two, um, which means that there's an 89% chance that the Wizards are winning the game and you have another play to try to tie it. So, okay, so just going through that, I definitely understand the value proposition of um, challenging the play a lot more. Um, I didn't really think about it from that perspective. Um, so yeah, now, now I'm all for it. Um, now, now that I talked about it, I thought it through. Um, so, but the Pels used their last time out. They didn't win the challenge. Um, so then they had to go the full length of the court after Russell Westbrook. He tried to miss the second free throw, which I get. Um, I actually think that's kind of smart. Um, and then, so they threw it the length of the court. Um, well, they didn't throw it the length of the court. They threw it like not even to half court. I never understand why teams do that. Like if I'm a team, I'm throwing it the full length of the court to try to get the best shot I possibly can. Like that, a fadeaway from beyond half court is not going in. Um, but a fadeaway, if you catch the ball from like, 35 feet at least has somewhat of a chance um so yeah some pelicans end up losing the game um so i'll go through my notes super quick and then that'll be that um yeah it's pretty late right now um yeah so oh oh man i forgot to talk about zach levine having covid <sighs> do i want to talk about that i'll talk about that in the next episode I'm, I'm gonna hope that the wizards beat the pistons by a lot of points so then i can talk about levine having covid um Talk about the ball screen defense. Um, oh, one time Bradley Beal set a ball screen for Russell Westbrook. Um, they Russell Westbrook immediately passed it to him in a short roll, um, and Bradley Beal got a wide open mid range jumper. I love that play. Um, it's frustrating they didn't do that more. I will say that the when I when I watch the Pelicans, um, they run a lot more interesting stuff on offense than they, than they did in this game. Like I don't know if like I don't are they on a back to back? I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look. Um, I don't know if they're on a back to back tonight. Um, they're not okay so that's kind of weird like usually when i see them play they run they just run more interesting stuff on offense maybe that's because you know Lonzo ball wasn't playing very well um or something like that um or like i guess brandon ingram was doing pretty well in isolation but usually they run a lot more inverted screens setting screens for um zion Williamson. they run a lot more interesting off ball stuff with zion um they just really weren't doing that as much um in this game um i thought about all this other stuff oh bonga played um i'm very happy with that um Let's see, Pelicans struggling now, blah, 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 blah. Um, I talked about that, talked about that, talked about that. Oh, I wrote in my notes, someone has to tell the Pelicans that they're allowed to drive against the zone, especially when guys up top are guards named Russell Westbrook and Howell Neto and Ish Smith. Um, Najee Marshall does it all the time and gets a lot of good looks for himself and his teammates. Um, yeah, like if you're playing against the zone, you got to drive. If Ish Smith is guarding you in the, against the zone and you drive and you collapse the zone and you can, you can make a lot of plays. Um, so... That's a big key to beating a zone, and the Pelicans did not do a good job of that. Um, Najee Marshall's top blocking Beal, but not getting a lot of help backside. Um, you know, not getting a lot of help backside from Jackson Hayes in particular. <laughs> um, Jackson Hayes just has no idea what he's doing out there yet, still. Um, you know, we'll kind of see if he comes along, though. He's pretty young. I, like, he only spent one year in Texas, right? Um, actually, let me check how old he is. He should be 21. Um, oh, he's 20. He was born in 2000. Okay, yeah. So, you know, that's kind of why he has no idea what he's doing. And he started playing late. Didn't he start playing? He started playing like his junior year of high school or something. Um, so, I don't know. That's kind of to be expected of a 20-year-old that's only been playing for four-ish years. Um, flashing Zion to the middle. I remember when I was flashing Zion to the middle of the zone is much more threatening than flashing James Johnson to the middle. Um, yeah. Um, I talked about that. I talked about that. Um, talked about that. 
Okay, I talked about all this stuff. Okay, yeah, so the next game, um, the Wizards are playing the Detroit Pistons. I really want to talk... Okay, so, spoiler... Um, no, a teaser for next episode. Um, I'm going to talk about how the Zach Levine... Um, you know, him getting COVID is just going to be absolutely massive for the Wizards potentially making it to the playing tournament, which they really want to get to. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out that next um, episode um, coming out tomorrow. I'll have that out the um, you know tomorrow night or the next day. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Wizards Pod. I'll see you next time.